All right. So, uh, pressing past your phobias. Now, let me just say, phobias are like elbows. Everybody's got at least a couple. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth tonight? Uh, anybody have any little funky phobias? There are some funky phobias. Uh, uh, and I, I am not going to get you. She doesn't like worms. We do know that. All right. Uh, there's funky phobia. You, you want to confess your funky phobia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife knows all about that. She does. Man, you don't want to. You don't let that touch the floor. I understand. That's a legit. That's pretty legit. Anybody else got any fun? I mean, like there's all kinds. I'm going to share some with you. Just kind of loosen you up a little bit. Uh, maybe you don't want to share them, but I'll just share a couple. And then I'll share some preacher phobias. Preachers have phobias too. Uh, and then we'll look at Second Kings 6 and we'll get into some. Here's now, these are not jokes. These are real phobias people have. You know, there's people have weird phobias here and I can't even pronounce them, but I, uh, it's a blutophobia, a blutophobia. It's the fear of washing or bathing. Now, I've met some people that probably have that fear. How about you? I don't know, but the, the way they smell, you would think they've got a blutophobia. And then I've never met these people in my last many years. Uh, they're people who have ecclesiophobia. That's the fear of church. I've never met those people, but I know they're out there. Uh, and then here's one. This, if this is yours, don't raise your hand. I'm, I'm, I can't even say it. I'm, I'm phallophobia, the fear of belly buttons. If that's you, just keep it to yourself. We don't want to know. Here's one, bogeophobia. Anybody know what that one is? Well, I think about it. It's the fear of what? The boogeyman, the bogeyman. That's right. Uh, and here's one. I have this one. I'm just going to confess it. It's helminthophobia. Helminthophobia. It's the fear of being infested with worms. I think everybody needs that fear. You don't want, you don't want to be infested. I'm joking. I'm serious. These are true things. Here's one. Rectophobia. And I'm not even going there. I'm just not going. <laughs> a couple more. Palatophobia, the fear of bald people. Okay. Aaron's not here, so if you're a palatophobist, uh, uh, then you're okay. And then you may have this. Syngenesophobia. It's the fear of relatives. <laughs> true, true fears. Uh, and so now I found out as a preacher, preachers have fears too. Let me give you these phobias. Empty altarophobia. You've heard, it's the fear of the empty altar. You give the altar call and you have empty altarophobia and you're just afraid, what if nobody comes? I mean, that's genuine. That's real. That's legit. And then here's one. Not enough money for the monthophobia. That's not just limited to preachers. I'm telling you, I mean, you've ever had not enough month of, I can't even say it. Not enough money for the month of phobia. All right. And then here's one that, that preachers battle with all the time. Nobody will show up this Sunday of phobia. So anyway, they have fears. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, uh, 
Let me give you a definition here. Well, uh, I'm not sure how this plays out. Let's let's look at our PowerPoint. I think it's 2 Kings 6. Let me, let me give you the story of this verse, okay? It says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let me give you the context. Elisha had a servant. And Elisha uh, was, he was, he's a, pro, he's a prophet and he heard things from God. And if you, if we, if we wanted to get in depth to this story, chapter six, verse 18, the king of Syria, every time he would make secret battle plans and war plans against Israel in his secret place with his secret leader, with his leaders and secret, you know, battle strategies, God would speak that to Elisha and he would go and tell the king of Israel what was going on with the Syrians. And so the king of Syria, he thought he had a spy in the camp and he asked, he said, who's the one telling the king of Israel all our battle plans? Because every time we go out to battle and we try to surprise them, they actually surprise us. And they, and they are there and waiting and they are not surprised. And, and so one of the key leaders, he said, you know, it's, there's nobody in, in our camp that's, that's telling the plans. It's that prophet Elisha. He hears what you're saying in your, in your bedroom and he speaks it to the king of Israel. And that's what's going on. Well, he said, well, you find out where he is. And they found out he's down in Dothan. Uh, and so he sent this huge army. Uh, I guess Elisha had get, made him a little nervous. He sent a huge army with horses and chariots to go get Elisha. And so that's the context. And so, uh, so they go down and in verse, uh, let's, uh, oh, let's go in verse 14. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Okay. You get the picture. If you got the picture and you're with me, say, I got it. And here's what Elisha says. And Elisha prayed and said, that's a good thing to do when you're surrounded by your enemy. It's not say and pray, it's pray and say. Okay. In fact, just by and large, any issue of life that is of great consequence, pray before, you know, think before you speak, pray before you speak. Elisha had that. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You've heard this story. How many of you have never heard that story before in all your life? If you've never heard that story before in your life, that's just amazing. Uh, and so God opened his eyes and he was fearful. The reason we know is fearful. He said, oh, what are we going to do uh, when something approaches you that maybe one of your phobias or issues of your life? That's one of the first questions. What in the world am I going to do? What am I going to do? Look at your name and say, what are we going to do? Come on, look at somebody and say, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Laura left you already. What are we going to do, Josh? Oh, my goodness. And that's what he did. And, the, and he told this servant, he said this. He said, do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. How many of you know fear is a choice? 
He said, do not fear. And he gave the reason not to fear. He said, for uh, there are more with us than there are with them. Now, that's just, that's ludicrous to the natural mind. The whole city's surrounded by, by the Syrians. And they're, they're ready to, they're coming after one guy. And because he's the servant, he assumes he's in the mix as well. And so, uh, and Elisha says, do not fear for there are more with us than there are with them. And, and then he prays that his eyes would be open and his eyes are opened and he begins to see that there are in reality more with us than there are with them. And it's a great story. And uh, just kind of give you that kind of the semi end of the story. Uh, they, they were all surrounded, but then all of a sudden these, uh, these angelic hosts make their, uh, uh, presence known. And I don't know if the Syrians saw them or not, but what, what Elisha did, he just spoke a word. He prayed to the Lord and he said, strike these people with blindness. And all the Syrian armies were struck with blindness. Now, that's a powerful man of God. And then he says to them, basically, who you're looking for, he's not here. <laughs> I love this. And he said, I'll lead you to him. I'm sure Elisha's going. <laughs> I just see this. And he leads this entire army into Samaria, which is where the king of Israel was. And he walks them right into the, and, and the king of Israel says, he said, should I kill him? Should I kill him? And he said, no, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Uh, and it's almost like Elijah's just playing with him. And then here's what we learn at the end of this, uh, uh, of this particular, uh, story that the, the Syrians never came into Israel's camp again. Okay. And so we'll look at that. And so with that in mind, there's the story. There's the context. I want to give you, uh, Pastor Sam's definition. And this is not, hey, this, there's, this is not rock solid, but it certainly works in this, in this case. Here's Pastor Sam's definition of fear. Fear is nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. Now that's a mouthful. But I want you to read it with me because it makes sense, at least to me. And let's read it out loud. Fear is nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. Now, let me just say to you, the Bible says, I don't have it in front of me. Don't be afraid of sudden fear. How many of you know when somebody comes up behind you and goes, boo? I mean, it's, you just naturally jump, Right. My wife, I can just, we live in the same house together. I can walk in the room with her and she goes, whoa, don't be sneaking up on me like that. I'm going, I, j- I live here. I, you know, I, do I need to put bells on my, on my toes? So when I walk, ding, ling, 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 she knows where I'm at, I guess. Uh, and so, but it's a, na- that's a natural reaction when somebody jumps out at you or when something sudden happens. You know, I saw a little, I don't know if you're a Facebooker, but, uh, uh, our little kids always the jack in the box, you know. And, I, and little Taylor was not da 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 da, and she got right up to where its pop goes the weasel. She stopped. She said, "It no come out." And Stacy said, "Keep going." And she boom, and she just, I mean, she got, and it's a sudden. Those that's natural, okay. Now here we go. Fear is nothing more than a natural reaction. To a distorted perspective. Now you need to understand, here's what we're going to talk about in a minute. Gaining the bigger picture perspective. Everyone say the bigger picture. 
We're going to say it a lot of times. Say the bigger picture. Because here's what, here's what, what did, uh, uh, did Elisha say? He said, Hey, catch, catch this. Fear not, for there are more with us than there are with him. I'm going to give you the bigger picture. What you see, you have a distorted perspective of this temporary moment here. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's over for us. He could not see the bigger picture. And as a result, fear gripped his life. And when you and I are at a place in life when we can't see the bigger picture, oh my gosh, it's over. You, let me just get, you let me go heavy on you for a moment. You know why people commit suicide? They cannot see the bigger picture. And, and I know there's a lot of reasons, and, I, and I'm not here to pick on people who can't defend themselves, but, but they, they're just at a place where they have a distorted perspective of their life. That there's no way, and they can't see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, you can come out of a hole in a hurry. You can get through this. And in reality, as Elisha said to his servant, there are more with us than there are with them. And so uh, I want to give you some important insights about this bigger picture. Uh, and and uh, let me just lay a little foundation here. And then I'm going to give you some, some thoughts that you can take home uh, to mama or daddy or brother or sister. Uh, here we go. Uh, M- Elisha made a declaration. There are more with us than there are with them. He didn't see... I- I don't know that he saw them, he, but he knew they were there. Okay? He had an insight, but the, his, his servant was immature spiritually, and it required a supernatural manifestation and revelation of the bigger picture. Now, God's not opposed to giving us that. You know, how many of you, in the middle of your fear and your doubt, you would like... Angels to show up with swords and, 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 you know, and, and come to your defense and miraculous supernatural, you know, provision and all those things. Hey, I love that when God does that. How many of you know he's, he's a big God? And he did that for the servant. But it wasn't necessary for Elisha because Elisha already understood the bigger picture. And so it, maturity says another thing. Maturity says, I'm going to uh, open my eyes to the bigger picture. I understand God's uh, for me and not against me. I'm, I, I'm living by faith and not by what? Sight. And so, so here's what we see in this scenario. We see... Uh, spiritual immaturity that always needs a sign, that always needs a supernatural manifestation of the bigger picture. But what God wants us to do is mature to the place that when fear opportunities come, we are not afraid of sudden fear because we know the bigger picture. Everybody say the bigger picture. And so that's huge when it comes to pressing past the phobias of life is to know the bigger picture and get an understanding of God, a greater understanding. Think about, uh, what did Doubting Thomas say when when the disciples were saying, we've seen the Lord, he raised from the dead. Man, he's alive, hallelujah. What did he say? I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Until I, he, until I put my hand, I've got to have... 
tangible supernatural manifestation in order to, to believe what you're saying. But let me tell you something. The bigger picture, the mature Christian, when these issues come along, they don't need a, a tangible supernatural manifestation to be able to press past their phobia because they see things that they do not see. Do you catch what I'm saying? They know things that they cannot see. They have a bigger picture perspective. Okay. So, uh, and that's what doubting Thomas and, oh, and guess what? He said, I'm not going to believe until and that's when Jesus walked into the room, not opening the door, walked through the room. Uh, and he said, my Lord and my God, I believe. Okay. So now turn to second Corinthians chapter four and those second Corinthians four is not by, uh, definition, a passage concerning overcoming or pressing past your fears, it certainly is one that would apply to us in, in obtaining the bigger picture in our life, okay? In the middle of, of fearful moments or stressful moments or distressing moments. And so I'm going to give you five things out of this pass, these passages, but let me just, let me just read. I want to, is it okay if Ben's it's Bible study if I read from verse seven to verse 18? Can I do that? Will y'all follow along? Here we go. Uh, but we have this treasure, Paul said, in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now here's verse 8, because this is where it really starts being applicable. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Everyone say, that's the bigger picture. You see it? You see, if he stopped it, we are hard pressed on every side. We'd be in a pickle. But he said, but yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I wonder why. He's fixing to give you the bigger picture. He said, he said, listen, these, these temporary circumstances, these issues, they're not in control of our life. And why is because he had a bigger picture. He said, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. Everybody say bigger picture. Say it louder. Bigger picture. He said, struck down, but not destroyed. Come on now. Struck down, but not destroyed. Bigger picture. He says, for we who live are, are always uh, delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. In other words, he said, hey, we go through these things so Jesus can be made manifest in the midst of our troubled times. And since we have the same spirit of... Oh, pardon me, I missed verse 12. He said, so then death is working in us, but life in you. And oh, you could say bigger picture right there. He said, man, we're going through trouble, but God's working in you. That's the bigger picture. You know, if we get so inverted in our thinking and inverted in our view of life, we don't see the bigger picture. We think it's all about us. He said this, and and he said... And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, uh, let, let me, let me just tell you this. The antithesis, is that the opposite? Am I using that right? I think I am. College kids, antithesis means opposite. Oh, I feel better now. The antithesis of fear is faith. The antithesis of faith is fear. When you lose faith, you will fear. When you, 
When you fear, it's evidence that you're not walking in faith. And so here's Paul. He's talking about the bigger picture and he's saying, well, you know, we got these issues, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're not overwhelming us. We're, we're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Why? Because we're walking in faith. There's a spirit of faith and we speak the word of faith. We believe some things and therefore we speak. We're going to do that tonight in a little bit. So you get your shyness put up because we're going to, we're going to really declare some some things in a few moments. He said, so we believe, therefore we speak, knowing that here's some, and, and everybody say bigger picture. Here's, he's fixing to give the bigger picture, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Everybody say real loud, bigger picture. Okay. I'm trying to get a point across. In verse 15, he says, for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Man, bigger picture. Therefore, oh, when you see the therefore, you better look and see what the therefore is there for. And, and what is he saying throughout all of this? Hey, there, even though we go through these things, there's a bigger picture involved. Uh, and he, and he says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Everybody say we don't lose heart. Listen, when you fear, you've lost heart. You've given up. You've looked at life through the lens of the, of, of fear and not faith and through what you can see with your natural eyes and not what you see from a, not what you see from a spiritual perspective. It's, and, and he says, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is what? Perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Somebody say bigger picture. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Let me pause and tell you, Paul called his affliction light. You need to read his life. You and I would not think it to be light. He looked at the persecutions of his life as a momentary light affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Oh, catch this. Working for us. I'm wanting to say bigger picture right here. This momentary light affliction is working for us a far more and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Paul is just packed with visionary perspective about the future. He's got the bigger picture. Okay. While we do not look at the things that are seen. What was the servant's problem in 2 Kings 6? All he could see was the soldiers surrounding Dothan. Paul said, we don't look at that. We don't focus our attention on that. We don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Somebody say bigger picture. And then I got to read 5.1 because it's just more bigger picture. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Everybody say real loud, bigger picture. All right, I need 100%. I'm not pointing fingers here. 100% participation real loud. Bigger picture. Some of you still whispered. Man, because next week, you know what you're going to need? And you know what you're going to see? Pastor Sam up here saying, bigger picture. 
That's what Paul's doing with these Corinthians. He said, man, you got to catch this. This thing, it's, it's a, it's, you got to see the bigger picture here. And that's what Elisha prayed for his servant. Lord, he just needs to see the bigger picture. He's missing a few things. And once you get a greater perspective, guess what you can do? You can press right on past the phobias about what do you, what do you think the servant did when all of a sudden his eyes were open to the bigger picture? Did you, do you think he said, yeah, but oh no, I don't know, man. He's going, I got the bigger picture now, bless God. Woo! Pointing fingers, laughing. You think he was probably laughing when they all got smitten blind. He's walking along his lines. We've got the bigger picture now. These people are following us. We're tricking them. It's great. It turned it around in a hurry. What would have happened if Elisha didn't have the bigger picture? I said, what would happen if Elijah didn't get the bigger picture, didn't have the bigger picture? There'd been, there'd been trouble in prophet land. But he had the bigger picture. So, everybody say, the bigger picture. Bigger, bigger picture. Thank you, thank you. So let me give you, let me give you some little, some little guidelines here. Let me give you some insights. Number one, here we go. This is to help you apply it in your own life. My outward circumstance should not affect my inward confidence. You can't let what's going on around you affect what's going on in, inside you. In fact, let me tell you something. What's going on inside of you will affect what's going on around you. It'll either make it worse or make it better. And, and you can't let, he said, that, he said, therefore, I don't lose heart. Look, that's what he said in verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart because, hey, we know where our confidence rests in. We have a spirit of faith. We know that Jesus is in charge and he who raised Jesus is going to raise us up. We got the bigger picture. These, these temporary circumstances, these outward issues that would want us to fear and doubt and run and hide and give up and quit, they are not in charge of what's going on inside of my life. And, and what's going on inside of my life is going to affect what's going on around me. You see... Elisha changed the circumstances by understanding the bigger picture. I mean, turned them around in a heartbeat. Most of us sat there in a quandary. You, you ever been in a quandary? What are we going to do? See, the servant was in a quandary. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Well, let me give you the bigger picture. Lord, open his eyes. Boom, I got it. All right? So my outward circumstance should not affect my inward confidence. That's why, you know, that's why he, he just said, listen, this is the bigger picture. I'm not going to let these temporary things get me. So therefore, he said, we have a spirit of faith. Let's just declare something. You ready to declare something? I've been kind of warming you up here. Let's speak it. Say this after me and say it with great bigger picture gusto. Fear not. Let's try it again. Fear not. Okay, y'all are getting out of sync here. Everyone say it together. Fear not. My outward circumstances will not affect my inward confidence. Fear not. Now speak to somebody. Look at somebody in the eyeball. Tell them this. Fear not. Your outward circumstances will not affect your inward confidence. 
Boy, y'all got weak on me, but you get the picture. We have the same spirit. We believe, therefore we speak. And I would tell you this, that, hey, if you're facing some circumstances, you need to speak to yourself and say, fear not. What's going on around me is not going to affect what's going on inside of me. I'm not going to chuck in the towel. I'm not going to uh, give up hope. I'm not going to lose heart just because I broke a nail. Or worse. Or I had a car wreck. Yeah, it's getting better. It's getting worse, isn't it? Okay. Some people get shook up about breaking a nail. I just, I, it, it's really, we, when, in the, in the bigger picture scheme of things, a lot of things that we think are big issues are just nothing when it comes to the bigger picture. All those soldiers surrounding, uh, Elisha and his servant, uh, they became very insignificant once the bigger picture was made known. So that was the point of that, of that. Uh, and so, so fear not, my outward circumstance will not affect my inward confidence. Here's, here's another thought for you to take home, uh, uh, to, to somebody. My circumstances are only temporary. That's what we see here. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's only temporary. Remember what I said Sunday? I think I said this Sunday. Uh, I gave you a little illustration. If I had a rope uh, strung from one side of the sanctuary to the other, and I had a little red rubber band around one, that would represent uh, uh, the, the history of humanity as we know it in light of eternity. You get it? And then in that little rubber band, you'd have to find your little scheme of time, you know. And so in the light of eternity, which Paul's talking about here, he said the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. He's talking about eternity. He said it's only temporary. Can I use Ike as an illustration? Ike, uh, Ike uh, all his life has had physical challenges. He was, uh, I, and I, I, I can't tell you the, the names of, but he, he has physical challenges in a wheelchair. You know what? Uh, his physical challenges have been challenging. Okay, but could I even all his life? How old are you now? I say it loud. How? Did he say 38? 38. They told him he wouldn't live past two. He he busted that prediction pretty pretty far. Okay, but 38 years he's had challenges you and I will never understand. But let me just tell you, in the light of eternity, it's only temporary for I. So we look at our life, you need to understand, it's only temporary. Everybody say, it's only temporary. And that's the bigger picture. It's only temporary. And so when you embrace this, it'll help you understand. And, and so therefore, everybody say it out loud with great bigger picture uh, gusto. Say, fear not. fear not. My circumstances are only temporary. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Your circumstances are only temporary. It's true. It's true. Number three. Here's another one. Let me get, let me see how, how late. Okay, I can do this. Here we go. My circumstances, now catch this, are working for me, not against me. Now, this is mysterious. Everybody go, ooh. I don't know how this works, but it does. 
Look what Paul said. Look what he said in, in verse 17b. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And, and, uh, I don't know how that, you know, you get, how many of you know you get rewards in heaven for how you live your life on planet earth? Uh, and so he may be referencing that. But think about what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 8, 28. He said this, and we know, everybody say, and we know, and we know. See, he has some bigger picture perspective. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Uh, and, and that's mysterious to me. Uh, when we love God and we go through stuff and we have issues, things that would make us fear, things that would make us doubt, things, things that would make us lose heart. Paul said, when you know the bigger picture, we know it. All things, the the good things, the bad things, the troubling things, even the devil things that he throws at us, God turns them around for good. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. It worked for uh, for uh, Elijah, pardon me, Elisha and, and the Israelites because it says that the, the Syrians did never come into the camp again. They didn't want to be made fun of by the prophet. They never did it again. The bigger picture, it all worked out for a great end result for Israel. Yeah. Think about Paul the Apostle. He said he was, you know, he said his afflictions were momentary. When you go over to Acts 27, he was a prisoner on his way to Rome in a ship. Acts 26, 27, 28, in there somewhere. He's on his way to Rome. And so, so, so you're a prisoner in a ship. And by the way, it wasn't a cruise liner. So, so life's not grandiose in those, those, uh, those ships, especially for the prisoners. And worse, uh, you know, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, you know, when you think everything, you can't get any worse, it does. And so he's the prisoner in the ship. And then the ship, uh, he told them, don't do this or you were going to suffer problems. Don't go this way. They ended up shipwrecked. Always moving from bad to what? I have a message from Psalms two or three. When things move from bad to worse, what you do? Has anything in your life ever moved from bad to worse? You think, oh Lord, this is bad. It can't, can it get any worse? Oh yeah, it did. Now we're shipwrecked. Uh, oh, MG. And then if it couldn't get any worse than that, they're all freezing because they've been in the water. Ooh, everybody go, Ooh, they're freezing. Maybe you know, nothing. Have you ever been wet and, and you can't get dry? I mean, you're out in the woods and, and you're sopping wet and it's cold. And that's what, man, things are getting worse by the second. And so we're going to build the fire and Paul's getting wood to build the fire because they're all freezing. And they're all cold. And a viper comes out and bites him. Man, things are going from bad to worse in Paul's life. The circumstances in his life are just going down. And the natives there, you know, there are different kinds of snakes. There's some people that call them two-steppers. Uh, you get bit by this snake, you take about two steps and you die. And so he they, it undoubtedly was a two-stepper because they thought, oh, he's history. But he didn't die. He just shook it off in the fire and they thought he was a god. And what happened was his ministry impact at that moment when the circumstances were moving from bad to worse took a significant uptick and upturn of greater kingdom influence than ever before. 
because he preached the gospel to the people in Malta and influence just expand and grew. So it's mysterious. Everybody go, ooh. My circumstances are working for me, not against me. That's the bigger picture. You know, if I was Paul, I'd have been in the mully grubs on the ship. And then when they got shipwrecked, I'd really been in the mully grubs. And then when I got snake bit, I'd really been in the mully grubs. He just shook it off. Everybody say, shake it off. Ooh, I may preach a message on shake it off. Ooh, yes, when things bite, you just shake it off. Everybody say, shake it off. Hey, because, hey, they're working for you, not against you. So with that in mind, with your bigger picture gusto, everybody say, fear not. God has my greater good and his ultimate glory at heart. Everyone say, fear not. God has my greater good and his ultimate glory at heart. Woo. Amen. Say bigger picture. Let me give you two more real quick. Number four. That's what we can learn from, from Elisha in this passage. My circumstances require a response, not a reaction. A reactionary Christian is always in a pickle and always in a trouble spot. We can't be reactionaries. We must be responders. And that's what Elisha, pardon me, Elisha did in 2 Kings. The servant's question was based on an immature, reactionary mindset. What are we going to do? OMG. We've got to learn because we understand the bigger picture when these issues come. I'm not going to react to this. There have been times when everything in me said, it's time to react. And I said, nope, just going to wait here. And, and, and determine the best response. When, when, um, and so I started to give you an illustration that didn't quite work, but, but understand the tendency of the immaturity of our life is to react. There's some things in Beverly and I's life right now we don't have the answers to. We cannot be reactionary. But we can be responsive. We can respond in faith and not in fear. We're not going, I'm not going to be reactionary. And so they require a response. Uh, disciples in the boat, remember? Jesus is what? He's a, he's asleep. He's certainly not bothered by the storm. Let me just throw this out. Jesus is not bothered by your storm. And he's asleep. And the disciples say, Lord. And they almost accuse, they, well, they do accuse him of something. Don't you care for us? Don't you care that we're perishing? They accused him of not caring for them. They were reactionary rather than responsive. 
And so we've got to train ourselves. We've got to train ourselves not to be reactionary, but always choose the walk of faith in the middle of the circumstances of life, in the storms of life, when fears come and assail us, when the phobias come, we say, we're going to have to press past this. Uh, Let me tell you one of the quickest ways to get paralyzed in a phobia and a fear is to be reactionary. React, React immaturely to the circumstances of life And you will find yourself paralyzed in the circumstances of life. But what we're talking about is pressing through these things and, and enduring the process. I love the, the, of the story of Moses in the, in the, in the uh, chapter of faith in Hebrews 11, 27. It says, by faith, Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured That means he was strong and steadfast, seeing him, big H, who is invisible. Let me say it again, just kind of, he didn't fear, when he left Egypt, he didn't, it wasn't even out of fear of the king. He left Egypt, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, he was strong and steadfast because he had a vision of Jesus. Even though he couldn't see him, he could see him. He had a bigger picture. Thank you. Bigger picture. And so I quoted it a few times. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Everyone said we walk by faith. Not by sight. So therefore, with all your bigger picture gusto, repeat after me. Fear not. My steadfast faith will stand strong in the face of adversity. Fear not. My steadfast faith will stand strong in the face of adversity. I believe it, therefore I say it. Amen. That's what he said. And finally, number five, let me give you one more. My earthly circumstances are outnumbered by heavenly citizenry. <laughs> there are more with us than there are with them. We're just, we just got them flat outnumbered. You need to understand that. And by the way, one angel can take care of a lot of demons and devils. But there are more with us than there are with them. Uh, hey, we got them outnumbered. Oh, was it Elijah or Elisha? It was Elijah who found himself, uh, woe is me in the cave. Was it Elijah? He said, I'm all alone. I'm the, I'm the only one. And the Spirit of the Lord showed up to him and said, no, you're not the only one. But I'll tell you. Yeah, it was Elijah. That's when he lost his, his anointing, really, because he, 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 he faltered in the face of adversity. And he thought he was all alone and God said, hey, there's a hundred and how many thousand of them hadn't bowed the knee. You get up and go find your successor who happened to be Elisha because understand something, your days are done ministerially because you let this issue get under your skin. And you didn't see. Come on, say it with me. The bigger picture. <laughs> So Elisha, man, he learned from Elijah. Woo, you better get the bigger picture. 
or you'll lose the anointing of God in the grave. And so, you know, God basically said, your days are done. We'll, hey, it's time to pass on the baton. You're sitting here whining about something you know nothing about. Because you think it's all over for you. Nobody loves you and your hands are cold. Anyway, hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. So everybody say with me, fear not. They're more with us than there are with them. Fear not, for they're more with us than there are with them. Everybody say, thank God for the bigger picture. The bigger picture, amen. Well, good. It's good to, good to get that down in your soul tonight. Go tell somebody a couple of these things you've learned tonight and just embrace the bigger picture because this week, next week, tomorrow, uh, next year, you're going to need the bigger picture. And let me just say to you, if you're going through something right now, just say, God, open my eyes. Let me see the bigger picture here because I know there's a bigger picture. I know something else is going on here. Uh, and so I know you still love me. Everybody say, he still loves me. He hadn't forgotten you, has he? No. Uh, and, and, and he has your best interest at heart. You got to believe that. That's the bigger picture. Let's stand up together. Amen. Woo, Lord, we thank you for the bigger picture. Open our eyes to the bigger picture, Lord. Let us see it, Lord, as Paul saw it in his life and as Elisha saw it, Lord, and as he opened the eyes, he prayed that the eyes of the servant would be opened. I pray today, Lord, that, and I just speak over these who are listening to me by way of, of this time tonight, as well as by podcast or by recording. I speak to them. And Lord, I just speak over them that you would open their eyes and they would see the bigger picture of what's going on around them. Let them see through the spirit realm and not through the natural. And Lord, as Paul said, we don't even look at that stuff. We look at the things which are eternal. Keep our eyes on the bigger picture. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.